Hi, it's Mark with Karen the Load. We're excited this evening to be here with you on today's podcast, talking about something that, uh, boy, I'll tell you, it's uh, not been an easy subject for me as I've been thinking about this the last few days. We're going to be talking about feelings, F-E-E-L-I-N-G-S, something that's very difficult sometimes to talk about. And uh, I have a special guest here today as well, and I'm really excited about this special guest. Uh, She, I believe, has a great knowledge of uh, feelings and uh, and uh, emotions, and I'm really excited. Uh, let's let's uh, introduce our, our guest here. By the way, Annette's not here with us in the capacity as a host, but you know what we're doing today? We're actually using Annette as a guest. So welcome, Annette. Well, thank you. I'm excited to be here. You know, as we talk about feelings, this is not an easy feat. This is something that, uh, as I've been thinking about, feelings and having this discussion in this podcast today, I have gone so many different directions. Do you know how hard it is for a guy to talk about feelings? I do know it's it's hard for all of us to talk about feelings, but especially for a guy to talk about feelings. You know, as we talk about feelings today, we're going to be talking about vulnerable situations. We're going to be talking about putting ourselves in a position that might not always be comfortable, but it is something that's necessary. And it's important that we, we talk about the ultimate benefits from vulnerability, especially as it pertains to feelings. And we're going to be talking about the importance of not keeping our emotions bottled up. That's something that I think all of us listening probably can relate to. Oh, for sure. You know, that's something that um, not only do guys do that, but so do women. And, you know, I, I didn't know how to to function in life if I felt all these feelings I had, because some of them were not very, very fun to feel. They didn't feel happy. They were more pain and and sadness. Yeah, I I, I hear what you're saying there. And, you know, as you're talking, I'm thinking about why talking about feelings is so difficult sometimes. I think there's probably a number of different reasons. Number one, I think that generationally, before our generation, people didn't talk about feelings. No. It was something that uh, if there were difficult feelings, you just didn't talk about it. And the advice that you would get often was, well, we don't talk about these kind of things in our family. I know. And it is so sad for me to to think back to all these generations of of people who didn't feel like they could share. They couldn't talk. They couldn't understand um, maybe what was going on inside just because it wasn't it wasn't the norm. It wasn't something that you shared because you didn't want what you wondered what people would think or you just weren't supposed to do it. If we if we talked about feelings in the past, they're very often uh, the, the whole idea about feelings was being vulnerable mm-hmm. and we were taught to be strong. We were taught to not share those things that would make us look like uh, we were weak in any way. So it, it, it's, it's interesting to me how weakness and feelings go together because, you know, it's, it's, that's really not the case. And, and for me, you know, I, I thought for so long that, that that was the case and that something was wrong with me. And so I think as we have come to, to learn and to grow and to heal and just as society in itself 
is more open to sharing and learning, um, we're getting better at it, you and I. So, yeah, I would agree with that. But I, I think it, there's an important question here that has to be asked. And the question is, why are we talking about this? It's so uncomfortable. <laughs> it is. It really is uncomfortable for both of us. It's kind of awkward sitting here, um, you know, talking this way and recording this because you're right. This is not something that's easy. This is not something that um, people talk about so much. But let me let me just share some thoughts as to why and why I reached out to you a few weeks ago and said, we need to do a podcast on this. So friends, I was, um, I had a friend that recommended the book untamed to me. It's by Glennon Doyle. And, and so I like to listen to, to books on tape and, and things as I'm out at walking or, or, you know, baking in the kitchen or different things. And, Honestly, Mark, I couldn't put this down. I couldn't turn it off. And and there was a reason to this. It was it was because all of a sudden I was hearing someone else explain how I felt. So you were feeling her in your own life. I was feeling her in my life. And and how that um my bearing, my feelings, and these different things, how it really had affected me physically and spiritually and emotionally. Interesting that you bring that up there because Karen the Load really focuses on those areas, on body, mind, and soul. And as we've been focusing on those particular areas, and especially today as we talk about feelings, isn't it interesting how all of the negative emotions that we think of, all the positive emotions that we often or part of there has a part to do with all three of those aspects of our lives, body, mind, and soul. They do. And it's interesting how they are so connected. You really can't separate body, mind, and soul. One affects the other. And that's why we really do need balance with those. Um, so, you know, if we go back to this, this book and this book, you know, it, it says, this, on the inside cover, this is how you find yourself. And I think it's interesting because I, I'm not sure that people know who they really are. I think they, they know who they're expected to be or who the, you know, the, the aspirations that their parents may have had for them and they fit that role or they played the role as the youngest child or, you know, whatever that role was. But do they really know who they are? That's an interesting question. We've been married for almost 36 years. And during that 36 years, you've had a number of opportunities to serve in different capacities in, in helping w women, especially right uh, on women's committees. And uh, you've counseled with women, whether it be on a, a large scale or one on one. And you bring a lot of experience to this. And what you're saying is something that I've heard for many years is that sometimes people just don't identify with who they really are. Right. And, and I think that, you know, it's a difficult thing to, to trust, to go inside and that not only just trust, but understand that you have the choice. It's, you can become and dream and, and reinvent yourself, if you will. So let's talk for a second about why we don't open up sometimes. 
you mentioned already that sometimes that uh, idea of vulnerability is something that people just aren't open. Oh, they're not. Uh, they're not happy to share their dirty laundry. Well, they're scared. They're completely scared to share their 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 dirty laundry, if you will, because you don't know how it's going to be received. Now. I'm going to get into this book a little bit because Mm -hmm. this explains that question really well. And just uh, for you listeners, just to give you a little bit of feedback, um, this is key one really to finding yourself. And Glennon Doyle, she found herself um, an alcoholic. She was also, also had some eating disorders and all these things were done to numb herself. And and then she found out that she was pregnant, and she realized that she needed to stop drinking. So before you get into the story itself, the one thing I'd encourage you to do, listeners, is to ask yourself, what have I done to numb myself? You know, it, in this case, it's alcoholism. Right. There, but there are other things, you know, whether they're eating disorders, whether there are uh, things that we do to ourselves that are not healthy. Uh, certain habits, perhaps, that are not healthy. So let's talk about her story and what it was that she did and uh, the epiphany that she had by someone else telling her. And so I'm just going to read this this key, key one, and it's titled, Fill It All. On my sixth day of sobriety, I went to my fifth recovery meeting. I sat in a cold plastic seat, trembling, trying to keep the coffee from spilling out of my paper cup and my feelings from spilling out of my skin. For 16 years, I had made sure that nothing touched me, and suddenly everything in the world was touching me. I I was an exposed nerve. Everything hurt. I was embarrassed to tell anyone how much I hurt, but I decided to try to explain to the people in that circle. They were the first people I trusted with all of me, because they were the first people I have ever heard tell the whole truth. They had shown me their insides, so I showed them mine. And I think this is interesting. I'm going to stop there so we can just talk for a second. But she was talking about all of a sudden she was exposed because all those things that she was doing to numb, she wasn't doing. And so she went from one extreme to just cold turkey, I'm over here now. And and all these feelings were so foreign so foreign to her. And I loved how she said that talking about these people in the circle at this, at this group meeting, I trusted with all of me. Now, isn't that interesting? Um, How many of you listeners realize that we maybe um, what's the word where there's, there's different parts of us where we have an adult strong compartmentalize compartmentalize ourselves and, and so she is telling us with all of her, every part of her, the child, her, the adult, her, the wounded, her, they all trusted this, these people. So she goes on to say, I'm Glennon and I've been sober for six days. I feel awful. I think this awfulness is why I started drinking in the first place. I'm starting to worry that what was wrong with me wasn't the booze. It was underneath it. It was me. It doesn't seem like being alive is as hard for other people as it is for me. It just feels like there's some kind of secret to life I don't know. 
like I'm doing it all wrong. And then she just thanks him for listening. That's that's interesting. She says basically that uh, the booze was not the symptom. It was the result. It was the result of the pain. Yeah. Of what was inside that she hadn't been allowing herself to feel, which I think is super interesting here. But then she goes on to say, she goes, after the meeting ended, a woman walked over and sat down next to me. She said, thanks for sharing. I relate. I just wanted to tell you something that somebody told me in the beginning. It's okay to feel all of the stuff you're feeling. You're just becoming human again. You're not doing life wrong. You're doing it right. If there's any secret you're missing, it's that doing it right is just really hard. Feeling all your feelings is hard, but that's what they're for. Feelings are for feeling. Interesting thought. Interesting thought there because think about that for a second. When we talk about feelings, you know, what are the common feelings that we, we often think about? Well, you think about joy. You think mm-hmm. about happiness. You think about sorrow. But just like she said here, all feelings are for feeling. When that, when I heard that, it was like. It resonates. It, it resonated. There was this aha. And I thought, are you kidding me? All feelings are meant for feeling. So, so here's the interesting part of this here is that when we talk about the self-destructive behaviors that we sometimes put ourselves through, this particular author talks about the fact that uh, it wasn't until she was able to articulate and share with others what she was feeling that she was able to break the cycle. And she had to see it in action where someone else shared honestly all their feelings, everything inside with her that she then realized, oh, that's what I'm supposed to do. That's how you deal with these things is that you feel it and you can share it and speak it, give a voice to it and that somebody there understands. So there's a lesson in this particular thought here uh, by the author. And that is, is that we can't just, well, I think Robert Frost put it best. He said the best way out is always through. Right. But I think that often what we try to do is we, we go, we try to get out of it without going through it. Right. Can we go around it? Can we sidestep it? Because we're scared to death to go through it because we think it's going to be too hard. It's going to be too painful or we don't even trust that we can't. And what happens is those self-defeating behaviors that we participate in make the matter even worse. Right. And so, I mean, it just really was so powerful to me. There was just, you know, after I, I don't know that, I mentioned this, but I I listened to it on tape, but then I had to buy the hard copy. And almost every word in this little section is underlined because it really is, is powerful. But did you realize listeners that feelings are meant to be felt all feelings? So Anne Frank, you, we we all know Anne Frank, right? She Mm -hmm. was the, she, uh, and it, she had a book that was written, The Diary of a Young Girl. Remember mm-hmm. that uh, book there? She said in that book, she said, feelings can't be ignored, no matter how unjust or ungrateful 
they seem. Now, I think that that's an interesting word that she uses, ungrateful. Feelings cannot be ignored regardless of how unjust or ungrateful they seem. How can a very awful situation be looked at as an ungrateful opportunity? Or unjust and they and, and talking about how they can't be ignored. So I want to share, I'm going to hold off on the book here for a second, but talk a little bit about me here. Um, I hope you don't mind listeners, but I, I, um, I didn't know how to function with feeling my feelings. Um, gratefully, I was able to, to bury the feelings for, for a long time. Cause I think honestly, that was a blessing to me. And that's something I can be grateful for that as a, a young person, I could bury some of that trauma and those feelings because I didn't have the tools. I didn't have the support. I didn't have the things that I needed to be able to move forward and heal. But what happened was that because I had buried these things and I just ignored these feelings, I thought I ignored them. I ignored them consciously, but my body took a toll. Because those feelings were there inside. They were building. They were ruminating. There was pain. There was sorrow. There were all these things. And pretty soon, my my body was sick. And physically, you know, one thing after another. And I had to learn that there became a time that I could trust those feelings. And that I would be okay if I looked at them. What allowed you to get to that point? Wow. What allowed me to get to that point? You know, I think, honestly, what allowed me to get to that point was that we experienced um, a very tragic thing in some ways and a very loving things in another way in the fact that when we lost our son after several years of illness with his, with his brain tumor, that we were surrounded by people that loved us and, and it didn't really matter. Some of the hard things that happened along the way, they still loved us. And all of a sudden I began to see differently. And that, that even though maybe I didn't, the perception of, of my life or our life or our family's life, it didn't have to be perfect for people to love us. And that's what I think that we're looking for is perfection. Even in the midst of tragedy, we were looking for perfection. Mm -hmm. And it just doesn't happen that way. It doesn't. And so once I realized and recognized that I didn't have to be a certain way for someone to love me, then I also realized things inside started um, swelling a little bit. I started feeling a little bit more. And little by little, I started testing the waters. You know, sometimes you go to a swimming pool or you go to the lake or the ocean and you, you, you know, you, you stick your toe in because you want to test the water. You want to see how it feels. And I think I sort of tested the water, if you will, with individuals that I looked up to, to see how they would react if I shared some of my feelings. And, and isn't that the interesting part right there? What you didn't feel, if I can speak for you, is you, di you didn't feel ridiculed. You didn't feel ostracized or unloved. No. You felt exactly the opposite, didn't you? I did. And 
and all of a sudden there was some hope there in, in my life. And so it was, it was wonderful. But let's get back to this book because there's just a couple other points. I thought it was interesting. So Glennon said, I did not know before that women told me that all feelings were feeling, were for feeling. I did not know that I was supposed to feel everything. I thought I was supposed to feel happy. I thought that happy was for feeling and that pain was for fixing and numbing and deflecting and hiding and ignoring. I thought that when life got hard, it was because I had gone wrong somewhere. I thought that pain was weakness and that I was supposed to suck it up. But the thing was that the more I sucked it up, the more food and booze I had to suck down. Hmm. Interesting thought. It's pretty powerful because, I mean, she couldn't keep doing the status quo, right? She had to have more and more to do the same thing. And and so I think, you know, if we really are honest with ourselves and we look inside, that's true for all of us. And I think we have to do more and more to numb or, you know, to not look at what we're wanting to look at. I love how she said in here um, where she talks about thinking that she had gone wrong somewhere, that she was the problem, that she was broken because something was wrong. And I remember those feelings very distinctly that I thought something's wrong with me. So we tell ourselves lies sometimes, Sometimes. Sarah. We tell ourselves maybe that uh, we're unworthy or that uh, we're not good enough. Or that it's my fault that this happened or this happened or or whatever the case might be. And we internalize that to the point that it becomes unhealthy. It does become unhealthy. And so I had to learn so many things. And just like in this book, I had to learn to trust. I had to learn that I did have the strength to go through those feelings. Because for years and years and years, I didn't go through those feelings. I sidestepped them. I shoved them down. Now, just to back up, it is a complete miracle in my life that I have a, I have a healthy marriage and I have healthy relationships with our children and with others. And it was a joy. And I honestly, my whole goal and desire was to be a wife and a mother. And so... You know, thank God that I was able to be those things that I wanted to be. But there came a point that I had to start taking care of me. And and so part of that was to accept the fact that uh, you needed to be authentic. I needed to be authentic. And honestly, it took me getting some help and going and and finding, finding a therapist that I could completely trust that I could trust with all of me. So I think that that word authenticity is an important word as we're discussing feelings here. And uh, especially the feelings of the author in the book, as, as well as you here. Is, and I think all of us can relate to that. And an author, uh, Sue Fitzmaurice, as I was doing some research uh, before this podcast here, she, she asked the question, what does it mean to be authentic? And I really liked her answers. She said, to be authentic is to be more concerned with truth than opinion. It means to be sincere and not pretend. Can you see yourself? Oh, completely. There. 
It's to be free from hypocrisy. But I want to stop you for a second. Yeah. What was that about um, something about pretend? To be more concerned with truth and options and to be sincere and not pretend. Okay. I didn't feel like I was pretending because I wasn't allowing myself to not feel. For you, it was very real. For me, it was very real. Um, but to be since as I have learned, for me, I have to live the truth. I have to stay um, true to myself. And being true to myself is allowing myself to feel the feelings I have and to not um, to not apologize for feeling those feelings. And that's part of that authenticity that we're talking about here. Uh, you know, she also said that uh, what it means to be authentic is to to know who you are and to be that person. That might be one of the hardest parts right there as you ask yourself, who am I? Because you have to look inside. You have to be honest with yourself. You have to go through those painful situations and feelings that allows you to heal and become. And it's, it's hard. You know, she goes back in here and she says that once she started feeling the feelings, all of the feelings, she began returning to herself. But she also said that she didn't fear others seeing her vulnerabilities either. Exactly. And, and that's one of the things that really precludes us sometimes from, uh, from getting the help that we need. Right. You know, and one of the things that I have, I keep relearning is that it takes practice. You know, I can be really good about allowing myself to feel and to feel everything. And then something might trigger me. And I don't want to feel it. And I don't want to, to, you know, I'm, I'm scared again. And I, and I have to actually go back and remind myself, Hey, you know what? You went through this before. You're really strong. You're going to be okay to go through it again. That pain is actually a pretty powerful gift. We're a lot stronger than I think that sometimes we think we are. Oh, for sure. Yeah. You know, what about, uh, what about being free from others' opinions? <laughs> it's, um, for me, that is, I'm good sometimes, and I'm not so good sometimes, because I really do care what people think about me. And I am a people person. I love to connect with others, and I don't want to hurt anyone. But I also know that sometimes to have that tough love and to be vulnerable and authentic and, and to share thoughts and feelings, that's, that's the most important thing. And that's what true, true friendship is and allows me to not worry about so much about what others feel. So if that's the case and uh, we're not, uh, we're not going to be concerned about what others are thinking about us, how can we better accept and love ourselves. We talked in a, another podcast recently about loving ourselves. You know, I think it's actually we are the hardest on ourselves than anybody else. Um, and we expect more out of who we are than, than we would expect anyone else. And um, it's, it's sad. They're unrealistic thoughts and feelings sometimes. 
when we feel like we should be better, we know better. And in reality is, you know what, we need to feel these things and we still, it's okay. So what you're saying is it's healthy to feel both the good and the bad emotions. For sure. It's vital. It is vital. That is reality. And it's all feelings, just like she said, all feelings. So just the healthy, the happy, the joy, but also the the pain and the sorrow and the sadness. You know, I, I think um, we've shared this before, but we have talked about how we would never wish to go through like some of these life's experiences that we've had, like losing our son and the, the years of him suffering. Was that the most difficult thing you've ever done in your life? As a mother, yes. Yeah. Um, because I wanted so badly to take the pain away, and I couldn't. But here's the interesting thing. Nine years later. I wouldn't trade it. Why? Because of who I have become. Because those feelings, all of those feelings, whether it was feelings of joy or sorrow or relief or pain, all of those feelings taught me something. And I, we, I remember a time when I was actually really concerned about you because as a guy, I'm going to flip the table here a little oh. bit. As a guy, you grew up thinking you couldn't share emotions. You couldn't show anyone that you were sad. The tables have turned. <laughs> and now you're asking me to be vulnerable, aren't you? I am asking you to be vulnerable. Do you remember a time where you finally let down the barrier? I, I do. And it was a time where I didn't think that you were watching. Well, I was... <laughs> I, to share? I do, but I, I, don't, I want you to know I wasn't watching because I wasn't home, but I came home and saw it. But now you can share. Okay. Well, this, this experience, uh, again, centered around our son that was fighting for his life. Uh, during the five years that uh, he was uh, diagnosed with having his brain tumor, there was a time that uh, he'd been in the hospital, and I just wished that I could take away his pain. I wished that I could make it all better. And these were all emotions. These were all such hard emotions that I was—I didn't have any kind of an outlet. I remember going home that evening, and uh, we, we lived on a couple of acres, and we had a ditch in the back, and I was doing some irrigation with our, with our garden. And I remember just sitting down on the ditch bank, just being so frustrated, not knowing what to do. And quite frankly, that day was kind of a turning point in my life where I recognized that it was okay to let it go. And I just remember sitting there, Weeping, feeling so inadequate, feeling like I couldn't do anything. And the next thing that happens is what? Well, I walked up. You know, I watched you. I, I saw you out there weeping. And I I came over to you, walked across the yard. You didn't even hear me and had no idea I was coming. And I sat down beside you and held you. And at that point for me, what had been a, a, a real concern because I didn't think you you were admitting to yourself because you weren't allowing yourself to feel these things that he was getting worse. And I was so worried. 
And all of a sudden we became more united in that um, we both could feel, we both could share our feelings and we were okay. You know what that reminds me of as you're talking about that experience, <clears throat> it reminds me of uh, Stephen Covey's book, The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People. And uh, if you remember, one of those seven habits is uh, to seek to understand before being understood. And and I knew at that point that you understood. And what very easily could have happened was you could have said, ah, get up and suck it up. <laughs> you know what? You've got to be strong for the family. But you didn't do that. You You recognized what I was going through. And, you know, let's turn the tables just for a second here. We're talking about the person that's going through the feelings. What about the person that, uh, the, the, in this case, you, you know, how were you able to valid, how were you able to validate my feelings and make me feel so much better? Well, I understood. And, and, you know, honestly, we, we comforted each other, but the thing was, is I didn't look down on you at all by your being vulnerable and real and honest with your emotions, we became closer. But my ability to um, to help you during that time is really something that ha- hasn't um, is a gift that I feel like I have gained because of the pain that I have been through in my life. The other thing that you didn't do is, number one, you didn't judge me. No. And number two, you didn't ignore me. And Mm -hmm. I think that we see that very often in the world today is that the easiest path would be to go down the other other path, which would be, oh, I hope he didn't see me uh, there, and I'm going to go walk back to the house. And the reality is we can't fix one another, right? Right. But we can love, we can say me too, I understand, and we can we can get through things together. What's the story of the uh, the little child sitting there crying on the uh, on the doorstep and uh, another little child came up and and sat there and and started to cry with him. And the question was asked later of the other child, why why did you sit down? And start crying. And the other child said in an innocent way, because it was the only thing I knew how to do. And that's all we need to do. We're not. We're not here to have all the answers. We're not here to have all the answers. And I think that we are here to feel. And so here this little child wasn't afraid to feel. And, you know, that's why we have care in the load. Is because we're not afraid to feel anymore. We have learned from our feelings, from our pain, from our joy, from our sorrows. We have allowed ourselves to learn and to become, you know, there's this, a couple of things here. I want to go back to the book. She said, I learned that I'd never be free from pain, but I could be free from the fear of pain. And that was enough. Hmm. You know, and and I feel that way. So being, being able to be, not be afraid of the pain itself would allow her to get away from that destructive habit. Exactly. And, and for me, you know, I always felt like, Oh man, that that's going to be so, I don't know if I can survive 
feeling that feeling or looking at that situation and feeling that pain. But honestly, the fear of that pain was a lot, uh, was far more powerful than the reality of the pain. Does that make any sense? Yeah, it, it, it does. And, and so let's, let's kind of wrap this up. Uh, was there, first of all, was there anything else that you wanted to share? I just want to share the thought. She talks in here, just one, one concluding thought about how she's learned to use pain to become. And I thought that was an interesting thing too, because for me, that is something that I now look at, at pain, just as you read earlier, um, about and be the gratitude for for that pain because of that pain that I've experienced I've become a different woman I've become far more serviceable I love people more I have more empathy I can see that pain in others and I'm not afraid to go towards them and love them and let them know it's going to be okay versus scared from that. And and I really look at that as a gift, a gift of, of who I am. And I've, I've found that, that, you know, that really is something that I have gratitude for. And it could very well easily have turned somewhere else where I could have been bitter. And I'm grateful that I'm not bitter. We have choices, don't we? We do have choices. And so I guess just, you know, just to sum it up a little bit about these feelings for me is one, it's okay to go towards the pain. Don't fear the pain because the fear is really usually a lot worse. It's paralyzing. It's what makes you sick. It's toxic. That fear and that shoving it under and not looking is so, so toxic. So I have two words. As you're as you're sharing that, uh, the two words would be exhilaration and liberation. What are your thoughts when I say those two words in context to our discussion here? Well, hmm. exhilaration is is so much different than where I was. Um, well, you were you were the opposite I of was exhilaration. The opposite. You were distressed. I was distressed. I was worn out, liberated. Wow, you know, for so long I felt like a prisoner in my own body. That's a great way and to put in it. In my own mind. Yeah. And I'm not. By feeling my feelings, by allowing myself to feel all of me all of the feelings, I'm free. And there is a peace of mind that has come with feeling and understanding that I really never knew was possible. We don't have to be prisoners to our emotions, do we? We don't. And uh, not being a prisoner to our, our emotions allows us to enjoy those things that we were sent here to enjoy. Exactly. In, in life. And so, very interesting topic. Uh, very, very interesting thoughts there. And I guess what we should do is, is talk about what we need to do for this point. What can you do as a listener to 
release yourself from being a prisoner. You know, we, I think that we, we talked about some certain steps there. You know, there are certain steps. And the first thing is give yourself a break that you are where you're at at this time and this season in your life. And it's just perfect. It's perfect for you to, to learn and to understand. Um, I also believe that you need, and this is one thing that I've had to give myself um, more, more understanding and learning from is that I need to practice and I'm always not perfect with this because sometimes you can feel those feelings of pain coming up. And, and I might say to myself that, you know, I really don't want to feel this right now. I've got this, this and this to do, but then I, I regroup and I say, okay, if this is something that I need to feel now, okay. And it's amazing how I can still accomplish and do these, these things. Um, you know, the biggest thing is to not avoid it. One thing when I look at, I look at some of life's greatest um, spiritual teachers. I look at Buddha. You know, Buddha, he had to leave his, his life of comfort to experience all kinds of human sufferings to find enlightenment. Hmm. I think that's interesting. And what about Moses? 40 years in the desert. 40 years in the desert before what? Before he saw the promised land. I mean, think about all the disappointments. Think about all the emotions and uh, and and everyone that was with him during that time. Hey, are we almost there yet, Dad? <laughs> 40 years of that. Oh. But then Princess Bride, one of our favorite movies. Not not a uh, not not a philosopher or a religious uh, no person here, but the Princess Bride, the, one of our favorite movies. The Princess Bride. What did Wesley say? He said, "Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something." Ah, so true. So true. So, you know, that's interesting, too. It is pain. But that doesn't mean it. But then this is the, the one of the last things that I really loved in, in looking at this and, and reading this book is that pain is not tragic. Pain is magic. Suffering is tragic. Suffering is what happens when we avoid pain and consequently um, null our becoming. Hmm. That's pretty powerful, too. That is powerful. Pain is not tragic. Pain is magic. Suffering is tragic. Suffering is what happens when we avoid pain. Wow. So true. And, I, and it really puts a uh, bow on everything that we've talked about, hasn't it? It, it? it has. And it's just, it says it all. Because, friends, I suffered when I avoided those feelings not unique we all go through that same process exactly and we need to trust that we're strong enough to sit with the the pain now that's that's something because we can't put a timetable on on any of this we don't know how long it's going to take but we have to trust ourselves that we are strong enough to sit with the pain for as long as it takes but it probably won't be 40 years in the world. Oh, it won't. For sure not. It won't. But I've been miserable, I'm afraid. And I don't want to go there again. You know, I've tested pain. And I, I've tested it enough to know that I can trust it. Hmm. And so that 
you know, fill it all. That's my parting words really is fill it all with all of you. Because I think not just part of you, but with all of you, just like Glennon did. And sitting in there in that um, that meeting, she trusted them with all of her. So all parts of her, fill it all and allow yourself to fill and become. Body, mind, and soul. Those are our those are our uh, our objectives is is to be able to to uh, heal our bodies, our minds, and our souls. And uh, thank you. This was fun uh, getting to interview you. It's been fun to it's been fun to do this. You know, this isn't something, friends, that we sit and talk on a topic like this for forty five minutes in our normal life. <laughs> but we, I've learned a lot about you and and a lot about the growth of our experiences that we've, we've gone through together. Vulnerability still isn't comfortable for me, but we're learning. We're learning. I don't think it's comfortable for any of us. Thank you very much. It's good to be with you today, and uh, we'll look forward to uh, talking with you uh, next time yes. from Karen the Load. Well, take care, friends.